one of the scariest things you'd ever have to do in ministry or life is to make a phone call to Child Protective Services to report abuse. It's scary because the stakes are always so high and the process is so unknown. Now, there's a lot of good information out there about who you should call and who has to call, but I thought it might be helpful to hear from someone with a lot of experience about what happens once you've made the call and how you can serve those who are trying to process this experience wisely and biblically. So join me for a conversation with Julie Lowe about what happens when you make the dreaded call to report child abuse. You are listening to CCEF On The Go, a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Here at CCEF, we are committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org. Hello, welcome back to CCEF On The Go. I'm your host, Alistair Groves, faculty member at CCEF and director of our New England office. Today I'm talking with Julie Lowe, who is also a faculty member at CCEF and does a lot of work with kids especially. Julie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Julie, what I want to talk about today is the issue of uh, reporting child abuse, which is a uh, a tough issue. Uh, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about. It tends to be scary to people. Um, I know you have talked in other places. I know there's a fair amount of information out there about uh, when to report and who is a mandatory or a mandated reporter, and that's going to vary from state to state. So there's lots of stuff that, that's going to be different depending on people's context. But what I'm hoping to talk a bit about is actually how does the process of reporting work? What happens once you actually make a call um, and some pastoral issues around making that call, that kind of stuff? So maybe you could start by saying a little bit about your experience. What what happens when you actually pick up a phone or you encourage someone else to pick up a phone and they're, they're calling whoever the appropriate uh, authority is and reporting child abuse? What, what should someone expect when they're making that call? Yeah. Um... So generally, um, when you make a call, you, you struggle with the gravity of that. You know that you're about to set things in motion that, that can't be undone, and, and people fear um, whether they're doing the right thing, whether they have enough evidence or facts, um, what if they're wrong, all these, all these implications that even I, after, after doing it for years, still, still wrestle with because hmm. um, you realize there's a care for people. Um, involved and a concern and um, once you make that call you have little control over how things evolve from there so some of that is I think facing your own fears or insecurities that might get in the way of that and knowing that um, I both have a legal mandate to do it but I also have a moral mandate I do believe but by living under the the authority of the law and the reporting laws that I can also trust God to work in that um, and that hmm. there is protection of children that happen. The other thing that I think is really important is realizing that that's not the the end of 
of my uh, my role in the midst of it. As a matter of fact, my role um, gets all the more important that I walk alongside people pastorally or lovingly, that um, once the report happens, that people more than ever need us to walk alongside them and, and be involved and encouraging. So all that to say, I think you start off with that mentality of saying, we're doing this, but never have I ever done it without also saying, I'm going to walk alongside you for as long as you let me, and you're not going to have to go through this alone, and hmm. um, I'm going to help you in whatever way I can. That is so important to help people who are going through that. I think that's what loving people well looks like. That uh, means I do make a report. There's, those two aren't at odds, loving them or mandated reporting. It's loving them through reporting and continuing to love them and walk alongside them. Hmm. So with that said, um, I can expect that I call, um, I make a call in. I just give the facts of what I know. Um, I ask who I spoke to, I usually document it, um, and then if you're a mandated reporter, you're able to follow up and find out what the outcome is, whether something hmm. was um, founded or unfounded, and, um, and know what the outcome will be. That often can take up to, to 30 or 60 days, again, it depends on the state law. Um, but. You, you, make a you make a statement, you give the facts that you know. Um, if you're a mandate reporter, usually there is a form that you have to fill out as well. Um, huh. And it's really helpful if you, um, if you just feel free to express what you know and don't know. You don't have to feel like you have the whole story or you have all the details. So. Um, yeah, it's pretty simple. You make the call, you give the facts, and then you let them decide where to go from there. Huh. Okay. Um, a couple, couple thoughts and a couple questions. Uh, the first thought would be, uh, thank you so much for when you did this with me in my very first year as a counselor. I was just getting my, my feet under me at CCEF uh, as a counselor, and I remember coming across a situation where I had to report something, and I remember being scared and hearing you say these words on the phone. I'm like, you know, I've heard Julie say this before, and you said it to me. I'm like, hey, I'm with you. Uh, I know this is scary. I'll, I'll hang in there with you, and it's just really, really helpful um, to have someone who knows a bit about the system and has been through it before say, hey, let me let me walk with you through this and let me give you some sense of what to expect and, and how to think about it. So um, so thank you. Thank you for your mm -hmm. help personally. Uh, that has made a big impact for me. Um, will you say a little bit about what, what do they do? So you make the call and you're saying, okay, give the facts, say what you know, say what you don't know. Um, you just, you don't have to you, you just come with whatever you've got and, and you hand that across to the authorities that that God has placed in that particular position, in that particular season, and they're going to go do something with it. And you're saying, okay, it depends on the state. You, you can hear back. If you're a mandated reporter, you can check in. But but what happens in those 30 or 60 days? What do they what do they do with that information? What, what would be reasonable to expect if you're a pastor and you're helping a family report? Uh, what's going to happen? Sure. So, um, generally what happens is they, they look at the facts, they, they are evaluating whether uh, children are at risk in a situation, um, and there are certain factors like a definition of perpetrators of the victim and ages and what's going on, the details of what's going on that they're looking at, and they're trained to do that well and know what, um, how to evaluate the situations. Usually within 24 to 48 hours, they go out and they'll interview the child first. 
um, and they'll evaluate safety. So they're looking for safety and risk. What is the risk uh -huh. of, or potential risk of harm, and what is the current level of safety or lack of safety? So they have to go out uh, fairly quickly and evaluate that. If, if I were a pastor meeting with a family and said, here's what will happen, um, I would say expect that you'll get a call. Sometimes they go out to the child's school while the child is in school because they don't want that child to be swayed by parents being around. Uh, uh -huh. Sometimes yep. if it's over the weekend, they, they'll go right to the home or you'll, they'll get a call. Um, if... Um, the offense didn't happen in the home, but happened between children or happened with another family, they'll often contact the parents and say, I'm coming out to your home to interview the child. Um, they'll talk with the child. They will talk with any of the parties who are involved. Um, and then they'll determine whether this needs to proceed to police involvement or law enforcement. Um, so in issues of uh, child abuse or child sexual abuse, uh, the law enforcement always need to be contacted. Um, and they walk through how to assess if the child's in current risk of harm. Um, so they mm -hmm. have to respond adequately and immediately if there is a family or child at risk. Um, and if they determine there's not a current risk, then they begin to prioritize what kind of services need to be implemented or put into place. So that's why it can take about a month or it can take a, a period of time because some things are complicated or uncertain or if abuse didn't happen in the home but it happened to a child and they're evaluating who the offender was and is and what needs to happen there and is the family getting the child the resources and services they need and if they deem that's all already happening then they, they tend to be uh, content with what is uh, going on because they care that 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 child's being taken care of. So they're evaluating yeah. all those things. Okay. So so it's complicated, but but the basics would be um, there's going to be some kind of pretty immediate contact. 24, 48 hours, uh, right. the, the folks from the state are going to get in touch with the child, uh, the child's family, the child's school, something. The child is going to be contacted and evaluated, hey, we really care about this kid. And then there's going to be some length of time as the process kind of goes on depends on what happened what mm -hmm. we need to figure out but but maybe a month or two somewhere in that sort of range to kind of like come up with a game plan for where do we go from here having evaluated right. the evidence is that is that the sort of nuts and right the basic? right and right and often as um a child is interviewed, sometimes other children in the home or children in other families have to be interviewed. That's just the complexity of okay. what the situation may unfold. So sometimes it gets broader as well as things, as they realize there were more children involved or, or more issues involved. So if more details come out, um, and there are people who are very explicitly trained and skilled at interviewing children in a safe, comforting way to get information out of them. Um, and so sometimes that could take time as well, setting up an a interview with a, a child expert who, um, they're called a forensic interviewer. Um, yeah. So all that can add to, to the complexity or add to the length of time, depending on how all those things unfold. Sure. Let me uh, let me voice a couple of concerns I, I often hear when I'm in these situations, and I, I have not been here that often, you know, a handful of times over the years. But um, first first thought, if I'm a parent or a pastor, is okay. But what if this kid, you know, starts making stuff up? Or what if you interview another kid in the home, and you know, interviewing a four year old? Who knows what a four year old is going to say? How do you if I'm if I'm in a 
situation where an, a lot of weight is going to be put on the words that this child speaks, um, I'm terrified that mm. people are going to be yeah. looking for something, have an axe to grind. Um, you're emphasizing that these people who are doing the interviews are, are well-trained. Uh, it sounds to me like you've had then a relatively positive experience with people who have worked for the state and done these things. Is it yeah. a, How do you yeah. think about that? Yeah, um, I've had both, and I do, I do get alarmed by the potential of, you know, children, some children do make up events, um, but for the most part, um, the most part in these situations that the child is telling the truth, and probably what's more important is those who are forensic interviewer of kids, those who work in this field all the time, um, they learn how to pay attention to details of the story, how the story's told, language, in ways that they become uh, a good forensic interviewer, become skilled at understanding, would a child know these details or not know them? Have they been coached? Is their language too advanced? Um, and they ask the questions, where would that have come from? Um, did somebody tell them to say this? And, and in some ways, when children are too consistent with their stories, it can be questioned because it makes sense that um, a victim of a crime tends to confuse details or time frames, things like that. So they're just skilled in a way you and I aren't skilled to think about hmm. these things and to understand what a child at that age would know or have an awareness of and make sense out of things. And so um, when you've got a really skilled forensic interviewer, somebody who interviews children, what gets me excited is watching how they work and they're able to nuance what, what they believe to be fact or fiction with a child. Yeah. Julie, I'm not, I'm not looking for you to uh, cast sweeping uh, blessing or condemnation here, but have you, I mean, can you put a percentage on it? You know, how, what ballpark percentage of the time have you had pretty good experiences of people being well-intentioned and competent versus, you know, maybe having an axe to grind or, you know, looking for abuse under every rock or being negligent and not really taking it seriously. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I'll say in my handful of times uh, over the years that I've engaged it, I've been pleasantly surprised to find folks um, have just been very down to earth and uh, they seem to really care about the kids. They don't seem to be looking to make a point and, you know, pound somebody into a corner. So I, but I just have a small sample size. Yeah, I know you have a lot larger. What, what's your, what's your breakdown of good versus bad encounters mm -hmm. with this stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say definitely the good outweighs the bad. Um, okay, and, good. uh, yeah, yeah, definitely the good outweighs the bad. Um, and some of it too is even me not having bad experiences, but hearing about people have, who have bad experiences. So, you know, those yep. things stick in your mind as well. But I say sure. in general, especially how you and I conduct ourselves or how anybody conducts themselves, that if I'm thoughtful and I'm calm and I'm reasonable and I am, uh, I am working with the system, they tend to want to work with us. Um, hmm. So how we present ourselves and how we engage and being willing to partner uh, with the system encourages, um, you know, detectives and uh, interviewers and the like to um, to be engaging as well. And I think that's, that's probably really important to add to it. Um, 
those who work in this field all the time, they, they generally see a wide range of things. Um, hmm. So they don't come with an ax to grind. Um, but you know, human nature is human nature. When people um, have an ax to grind, you're right, they will probably find it wherever they are. But the majority of time, the people I tend to work with, um, engage with from child protection and law enforcement tend to be really thoughtful. Um, in what they do and uh, measured in what they do. Hmm. So I'd say generally, probably 90% of the time, it's been really positive. Okay. Well, that's very encouraging. And I, I hope that's encouraging to, to those of you listening to, to think that there is good hope in putting ourselves in the hands of the state. Um, you know, let me, let me maybe sort of uh, bring us towards a conclusion, Julie, um, Along those lines, I remember one of the things you said to me years back when we were talking through my first reporting issue was just how much it mattered to um, to see this through the lens of, yes, you are placing yourself in the hands of the state, but looking at Romans 14, we're talking about placing ourselves in the hands of God. Um, God yeah. is in control and sovereign over the state, and he is sovereign over all things, and some pretty bad states have existed over the course of history. Uh, Rome was not a great place to be, and if Paul can say that about Rome, how much more can he say that of a system which we actually, we want to appreciate? I mean, here's here's a government that's not saying, hey, if you're the head of household, you can do whatever the heck you want. This is saying, mm. no, we want to protect the weak and the vulnerable. Um, this is actually something as as Christians, in principle, we're very much on board with and, and thankful to live in a time when this is the law and there is this real care for not seeing the weak harmed. Um, I have found that incredibly helpful. I've said that to every person I've ever walked through reporting with, just, hey, this is us placing ourselves in God's hands. Mm. Um, would you... Would you add to that? How have you talked about it with people when you're just trying to say, hey, I know this is really hard, this is scary, we're placing ourselves in God's hands. What other kinds of things go through your mind as you're trying to just walk with someone through the the gruelingness of the uncertainty? Yeah, I, I, um, I accept that they're right. There is an uncertainty and there isn't a guarantee, hmm. but you're right, there, there's twofold. There's one is that we... We're, we have to do it. We're mandated to do it. It's the law to do it. But I also believe that God can work in those ways and that he does work in those ways and that he is sovereign in all that. I think what is so helpful is as well for them to know they're not in it alone. Um, and there is a lot of uncertainty what will happen, but we'll walk alongside it and try to process it. When particularly when victims don't want to report um, one of the things um, I think is really important to tell them is how brave they are. And hmm. um, I say this with a grain of salt, but there's some kind of need to prepare them for what may unfold, especially children, because they, um, they don't always understand the havoc it can wreak on a family. And hmm. um, that sometimes these things can tear families apart or um, you know, small groups apart or relationships that were once there. And to somehow right. for parents to be prepared to buffer children from feeling the impact of that and um, knowing how to navigate all that. That's where I think we do, we do so much more than the system does when we choose to walk alongside them and help them navigate all the repercussions uh, and how hmm. things might unfold. And, help them to know how to think about it and view it and see it and realize that they are doing something very brave and good and that they could likely be protecting other people from harm 
by, mm, by doing mm. the hard thing they're doing. So um, encouraging them that sometimes when a victim doesn't want to report for themselves, to know that they might be helping somebody else not be harmed is another, another motivation for them. Hmm. Uh, that's really helpful, Julie. Um, Julie, would you mind just closing us by praying for people listening to this who sure. are walking through it or may have to walk through it in the near future? Uh, sure. It's just, it's tough stuff, and I would love for you to, to go to the Lord on their behalf. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's, let's pray. Gracious Father, you know um, the way this shakes people's lives and the heartache it causes. Um, so, Lord, for those who are impacted by such events and for those who have the weight of reporting them, would you give a tremendous amount of grace and fortitude? Would you give them courage um, that they would do the hard thing, but that they wouldn't stop there and that they would continue to love and minister well to those who are going through it? Um, Lord, we do trust that you are sovereign and that um, nothing surprises you. So would you go before hmm. each of us and prepare the way? And we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Julie, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. If today's conversation has sparked your interest, you might want to check out a blog that Julie wrote. It's called Pastoral Wisdom and the Mandate to Report Abuse. It's available at ccef.org for free. Hope you find it helpful.